For a second straight offseason, the Seahawks overhauled their cornerback group, but unlike this time a year ago, there's a lot of optimism with a unit that's featuring a number of veterans as well as a couple of incoming rookies. How does the depth chart look with six weeks until the start of training camp? I'm going to be taking a close look on our latest installment of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's happening, 12? This is your host, Corbin Smith, here with Locked On Seahawks. Glad to have you listening in for our Tuesday episode. Unfortunately, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang, not going to be able to join us for today's show. Battling a bit of a bug, so... Get well, Rob. Hopefully he'll be back on the airwaves for our show on Wednesday, Thursday at the latest. Until then, rest up. We got a loaded episode coming your way. I'm going to be taking a look at what Sean Desai and Carl Scott had to say today after the Seahawks OTA practice, their first time meeting with the media since they were hired on Clint Hurt's defensive staff. And I'm going to be taking a close look at the outside cornerbacks continuing our position-by-position review. So let's get to it. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. A Super Bowl winner in his own right, Pete Carroll, has a number of accomplished assistants that are currently on his coaching staff. Chad Morton, the running back coordinator, longtime running backs coach, was an elite special teams player in seven seasons in the NFL, returned four kicks and punts for touchdowns, including two of them in one game at one point. Deshaun Shedd, Played for both the 2013 and 2014 Super Bowl teams. Started a couple years in the Seahawks secondary at corner. Was a valuable special teams player before that. And Carl Scott was a two-time national champion on Nick Saban's staff at Alabama. And yet, none of those assistants may have a resume that compares to Amanda Ruler, who just joined the Seahawks as one of the three coaching interns as part of the Bill Walsh Diversity Fellowship Program prior to the start of OTAs. And Ruler was quite an accomplished athlete in her own right. Maybe not an NFL player, but just look at the resume. At the University of Regina, she broke numerous records in track and field, still holds the records for the 60-meter dash as well as the 200-meter dash. She played soccer for three years as well. So this is a multi-sport athlete at the college level in Canada. Then when she got to the end of that run, she was recruited to join the bobsled and skeleton teams. So she decided to dip her feet into the winter sports landscape and was highly successful. After that, she played five seasons in Legends Football League, playing for the Los Angeles and Atlanta franchises. She was also a member of Canada's women's team. Ironically, she was cut from the team initially and then just kept showing up for practices and pretty much forced the team's hand. They ended up putting her on the team, and she became a valuable contributor. And oh, by the way, she's also an all-star weightlifter. Back in 2019, was putting up record numbers. She owns Saskatchewan's record for snatch, as well as jerk and clean. And now she's continuing her path to her ultimate goal, which is to coach in the NFL. She was scheduled to coach for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this upcoming season in the CFL. But she decided to put that on hold for now, went to the Combine in March in Indianapolis to get her name out there. She wanted to be visibly seen 
by people that work for NFL teams and give out a resume and see if she can improve her chances of getting noticed. And sure enough, the Seahawks were impressed with what they saw in the resume. They interviewed her for one of these positions as an intern, and she ended up being selected as one of the three. So now she's been serving as an assistant running back coach to Chad Morton since the start of OTAs. You could see her out there on Tuesday. They were doing bag drills, and you could see her drills were fitting with the always compete philosophy of Pete Carroll. Had the running backs competing one against one on the bags, doing a bag shuttle drill and seeing who was going to win those matchups working on their footwork, their explosiveness, and holding on to the football as well. And she got to call up the team. Everybody seemed fired up. So she has been respected by the other coaches. The players have welcomed her with open arms. And obviously this is a big deal. Not the first woman to coach in the NFL by any means, but still breaking ground in her own right. And this is a woman that's done so many things as an athlete and as a coach. She's going to be during these six weeks coming up between OTAs and minicamp coaching in an 18 and under women's tackling league. And it's going to be the first time that that's happened in Canada. So again, breaking ground and just an incredible resume. And you could just sense the passion when she was speaking to the media today about her love for football. And she's really loved the game since she was a little kid. Her dad used to take her to Saskatchewan Rough Riders games. And she was able to soak in the environment and wondered, why aren't there any women out here playing? Why are there not women coaching and her father told her, you can do whatever you want. And she has taken that attitude, that grit, that determination, and she has ran with it. And so here she is now getting this opportunity to learn from Pete Carroll, the rest of his coaching staff, to be herself. She loves the culture. And again, this shouldn't be a surprise because players say this, coaches say this, working with Pete Carroll, being with this franchise they are not going to put you in a corner and force you to act a certain way. They are going to let you be yourself to get the best out of you. And so that's what they're doing with Amanda Ruler, and she is taking full advantage of this opportunity. And again, with her attitude, her can-do, you're not going to stop me attitude, this is probably going to be that stepping stone that she needs to have an opportunity to get a full-time coaching position in the NFL. That's ultimately what her goal is, and She's knocked off so many different things athletically, and she's set records. So nobody should be thinking that there's going to be anything holding her back here. So I just think it's an outstanding exhibit of what a human being in general, not just the fact that she's a female, but a human being in general, what they can drive themselves to accomplish when they put their best foot forward and they truly want something. And that's why she's in this position. As she told all the reporters today, everything that I have achieved, I have earned. She didn't just magically become a world-class weightlifter. She didn't become an elite sprinter just overnight. She had to put her time in. She had to put her work in. The same has happened in this steady progress she's made as a coach, going from coaching younger students to going to the CFL and now getting this opportunity in the NFL that she hopes is going to be a launching pad. So I'm really interested to see how this process is going to play out for Ruler. She is going to be with the team throughout training camp, and she will get to be on the staff for a couple of preseason games before she moves on to her next endeavor. Maybe the Seahawks will be impressed enough that they want to keep her around, or another NFL team will be interested in bringing her into the fold. But this certainly would be the kind of coach, if I was the head coach, 
I would want to have around somebody that's got that background, that diverse of an athletic background, has done some coaching in other sports as well, understands the strength and conditioning aspect, a multifaceted individual with a great work ethic and great drive. This is a woman that's got some big things coming already, quite a resume, but a chance to continue padding that with even more experiences as she pushes for a full-time job in the NFL. An exciting addition to Seattle's coaching staff here to kick off the 2022 season. Speaking of additions to the Seahawks coaching staff, Sean Desai and Carl Scott, two of the notable additions on defense after Clint Hurt was promoted to defensive coordinator that were signed onto this staff, met with the media for the first time today. I'm going to be digging into some Thoughts about what they said today that really stood out in their first meeting with the media when I return. At BlueNile.com, you can celebrate all of life's special moments from creating the custom engagement ring of her dreams to gifting a classic and timeless jewelry piece, all at prices you won't find in a traditional jeweler. Whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at BlueNile.com. Build the engagement ring of her dreams or celebrate life's special moments with fine jewelry. No matter what you're looking for, Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7 to help you out. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com and Locked On Sports listeners get $50 off purchases of $500 or more. This podcast exclusive includes engagement. Use the code LOCKEDON. Every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever piece. Go to BlueNile.com today. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Riding solo today, unfortunately, Rob Rang, a little bit under the weather. Needs a day or two to rest up, so hopefully we'll have him back in the next episode or two to break down Seahawks football as always. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And the ultimate NBA mock draft is coming up. Make sure to check this out on June 16th. Over 50 insiders, nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Locked On NBA big board draft experts plus the Odyssey insiders. The first pick is on June 16th. So search ultimate NBA mock draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. Kind of crazy that the draft happens that quickly after the NBA finals end. The finals still aren't over as of the time we're speaking right here. And I always kind of wonder what that would look like if the NFL adopted that type of a model and they flipped the draft and free agency. I don't expect that to ever happen, but certainly would be a curious thing to discuss some off season. What would it be like if teams had to do that? Anyway, we were planning Rob Rang and I to continue our 90 man roster series. We got our first six players yesterday. We had plans to do numbers 85 through 81 today. Of course, Rob didn't want me to move forward on that until he returned. So instead, had a very busy day at the VMAC. Five assistant coaches talked to the media today, assistants that don't normally meet with the media, at least on a wide-scale uh, presence like they did today in press conference form. And two of them that talked to the media were Sean Desai and Carl Scott. And these were the big names added to Seattle's coaching staff during a massive overhaul this spring. Clint Hurt getting promoted from defensive line coach to defensive coordinator, and everybody wondered, who is he going to add to this staff? And they were swinging for some big fish, and they ended up reeling in a couple of them. Carl Scott is an esteemed secondary coach that won a couple of national championships under Nick Saban at Alabama, was with the Vikings last year, a young up-and-coming coach. Sean Desai, 
38 years old, another younger coach that took an unorthodox path to this point, was a graduate assistant at Temple, worked his way up. The staff there was at Miami for a year, and then was with the Bears for almost a decade in a number of different coaching positions, and he had three different head coaches. He, he ended up surviving all of those. So these are two really exciting young coaches, and they had their chance to talk to the media for the first time today. And a few quick thoughts. They didn't talk a lot about individual players based on the questions that were asked of them, but you got a sense of why these two men wanted to be in Seattle. And there's a number of reasons why they were lured to being here. But the man on the sidelines, Pete Carroll, his presence, that was a big part of it. Sean Desai said that he's listened to Pete Carroll's podcast. He's read his books. He's been following him closely, dating back to his time at USC. This is a coach that he's tried to model himself after. So, of course, why would he not take the opportunity to be able to join his coaching staff? This is an up-and-coming coach that did a pretty good job as a defensive coordinator for the Bears a year ago. He doesn't feel like he's too far off from maybe getting that head coaching opportunity, working with a coach like Pete Carroll and learning some new tricks from him. That could be the difference that gets him that head coaching job or maybe back into a defensive coordinator position elsewhere next year or the year after. So he absolutely wanted to take this with all the other DC jobs drying up a great chance to learn from one of the best head coaches out there. And Carl Scott viewed this the same. And Scott admitted, you know, I've been following him in his later years, maybe late in his USC tenure and with the Seahawks because he is a younger coach, but this is another coach that he pays close attention to being a defensive backs guy. Pete Carroll is viewed as the godfather of defensive backs in the NFL today, knows how to coach up that position as well as anybody. So if Pete Carroll's doing something, you better pay attention. Those are the words of Carl Scott. So that was a big part of both of these guys wanting to come to Seattle, being able to work with Pete Carroll and building off of that, Something I think a few of the reporters alongside me were a little bit surprised by. You could see by their reactions. But Sean Desai was asked about how much this defense is going to emulate Vic Fangio's defense. And of course, Desai and Hurt both coached on Fangio's staff for a couple of years together. They have extensive backgrounds in that defense. And the expectation at this point for many has been that this is going to be a Vic Fangio style of defense. And you might want to slam the brakes a little bit with what Desai had to say. And, and Scott, to an extent, Scott didn't dive into this as much, but Desai said that this is still Pete Carroll and Clint Hurt's defense. It's not Vic Fangio's. There are going to be some things that carry over that both Hurt and Desai are going to be implementing in this defense that they learned during their time working for Vic Fangio. That is undeniable, but this is still going to be a defense that you are going to see Pete Carroll and Clint Hurts stamp on. It is their defense, and really Sean Desai is going to be just blending in some things into that defense, whether it's a secondary, just overall game planning and scheming. It's still going to be Pete Carroll's pet. Just going to have more hands on deck to be able to adapt that defense to be successful in the NFL in 2022. And Scott's going to be tasked with doing some of those things technique-wise where He's going to be able to throw some ideas that he has in with the things that Pete Carroll has done with his kick step technique, some of the things that he's done with teaching different coverages of the secondary. Again, this is going to be all put in a blender, but you're going to still have a lot of Pete Carroll and Clint Hurts influence on this defense. And really, that shouldn't surprise anyone. That's something that I've been pitching for a while, that yes, there's going to be new ideas, but 
this defense was already leaning towards some Vic Fangio style ideas last year with more two man high coverages and having more three defender fronts, more of those bare fronts with overhang linebackers. You already have seen some of those things out of Pete Carroll's defense. So it's still going to be his baby. And there's just going to be some things that are added that are supplemented by Sean Desai as well as Carl Scott. And then I think that another thing to mention, we're looking at individual players. Jamal Adams was obviously one of the selling points when you're trying to bring in a big name coach and maybe not even selling point is the accurate word, but that is going to be a highlighted player that you're going to throw out there for a coach wanting to come in and say, Hey, we've got a three-time all pro safety here. He's had a few injuries. His play has been a bit inconsistent his first two years first, but this guy's a game wrecker, a big time talent. We are looking to bring coaches in that can maximize Jamal Adams ability. And I asked Sean Desai about that today and, you know, the challenges of trying to implement such a unique player. And he first said that he didn't think challenges was the right word. He is excited for this opportunity. And what really is intriguing about Sean Desai, he has a PhD in education administration. He didn't even know that he was going to be in this type of a coaching position. He thought he was going to be a college professor. And so he understands the intricacies of teaching people in general and understanding that you've got to do things a little bit differently with every single person. Everyone is unique. And so he's embracing the idea of trying to find a way to mix in Jamal Adams' very unique skill set with the type of scheme that they're going to be running. And he's got experience doing this, whether as a defensive coordinator or a safeties coach. He worked with Eddie Jackson in Chicago, a player that can play in the box and has a lot of unique skill sets and helped him become an all-pro player. Last year as the defensive coordinator, he highlighted this today, Robert Quinn had a huge season, 18 and a half sacks for the Bears last year. Going into the season, a lot of people thought that he was entering the tail end of his career, that he was washed up. He wasn't going to be a good fit in the scheme they were running. And then he had a career year. So he is eager to have this opportunity to be able to watch Jamal Adams, to be able to teach him and bring out the best in him. And Carl Scott mentioned, you know, the ability to have interchangeability with the safeties. And he seems confident that they're going to be able to do that with Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs, that they're going to be able to play them in both safety spots. They're going to be able to do some disguising and make it tougher on opposing quarterbacks post-snap to know, which safety is doing what. And that's a big deal because at times it hasn't necessarily looked like Adams had that type of versatility the last couple of years, but it might just have been not being put in the best spot to succeed. There were certainly some times where the coaching staff was trying to fit a round peg into a circular hole and it just didn't look right. Sean Desai and Carl Scott are going to have a chance to correct that here now coming to Seattle's coaching staff and bringing some innovative perspective and some youthful enthusiasm to this coaching staff. And then speaking of youth, the cornerbacks, two rookies coming in, Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen. I asked Carl Scott about how he goes about coaching two players with such different trajectories, because you've got Kobe Bryant coming in the league as a four-year starter at Cincinnati. He is a refined prospect coming in the league. He's played a lot of games against really good competition. He's played in the playoffs at Cincinnati. 
And he's a guy that got targeted a lot and still was not giving up many catches, had a bunch of interceptions and pass breakups. He got picked on and he took advantage of it. And then you got Tariq Woolen on the other side of things, the fifth round pick out of UTSA, who's so raw. He still only played corner for two years. He was playing in Conference USA. So he hasn't been playing as good a competition on top of that, but he's got such impressive physical tools at 6'4 with 4'2'6 speed, long arms, great quickness and explosiveness. He's got all the physical tools. And Scott basically hinted at, and this goes off what Desai was saying, that he's treating every one of the players that he's coaching off the same baseline. They're all starting with the basics, with the foundations, with a clean slate, and then he is going to go from there. Now, you can tell based on his comments, elaborating on things, that he respects the maturity and the experience, the football IQ that Kobe Bryant brings to the table. Woolen may not be anywhere close to him in that regard of some of those things. But what Woolen has that Scott really loves is the desire to get better, the will to learn. And that's something that he's really excited about as a technical coach, somebody that truly believes in coaching up technique. This is going to be a great opportunity for him to, as a coach, uh, be able to put his best foot forward. And if this ends up working out and Tariq Woolen becomes a really good NFL corner, there's going to be a lot of credit going to Carl Scott, again, a young coach that is probably thinking future defensive coordinator, maybe future head coach in his own right, the way that he's already climbed the ladder going from Alabama then to the NFL last year with Minnesota. He's a coach that's got high aspirations. If he's able to develop a few of these youngsters and make them key contributors early for the Seattle Seahawks, then he's going to have a really good chance to step up that coaching ladder with another team, become a defensive coordinator, and, and maybe eventually become a head coach. Coming up next, going to be talking corners extensively. Just had a chance to look at the rookies. Going to be looking at the entire depth chart now on the outside, the two outside cornerback spots. Who's in the running to start? Who's going to be the wild card? Who's going to be the sleeper? And who's the bubble player? I'll be continuing our position-by-position position depth chart I'll be continuing our position-by-position position depth chart review coming up here in a moment. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports informational needs. Find the latest sports developments, news and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA to USC and boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting and waging informational needs including live betting, esports, and more. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Tuesday edition. This is your host, Corbin Smith, riding solo today. Rob Rang, unfortunately, a bit under the weather. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure to check out the Locked On NFL podcast for your second listen. The schedule may be getting dark this time of year, but the NFL never stops and neither does Locked On NFL. Get your insights and opinions from hosts, including Ross Jackson, Chris Carter, and Tony Wiggins, plus local Locked On NFL hosts repping all 32 squads. There's no offseason for real fans, so make sure you're subscribed to Locked On NFL on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Continuing our position-by-position position depth chart review, I just talked about the two rookie cornerbacks Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen and it's a perfect segue to looking at the outside corners the Seahawks have a number of guys that are playing exclusively in the slot 
I'm going to dedicate an entire segment to those players because I think that is going to be a very competitive position group. We will get to that sometime later this week or early next week. But for now, looking at the outside corners, and this is the second straight offseason that the Seahawks have undergone a significant transformation in the secondary at the cornerback spot. Last year, they brought in Akella Witherspoon. They still had DJ Reed. They brought back a few other players like Demarius Randall and Pierre Desir. There were a lot of veterans competing for roster spots. And ultimately, most of those players were not with the Seahawks when the season opened in September. They traded Akella Witherspoon to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They released Pierre Desir and Demarius Randall. And they had some injuries to players on the back half of their defense as well. So this is a cornerback group that went through some strife early. Trey Flowers got benched after a few games, then released, went to the Bengals, ended up playing in the Super Bowl. But things just didn't work out for him in his final year in his rookie contract. DJ Reed slides back over to the right side. Now he is an $11 million a year player for the New York Jets after turning in a fantastic season. So the Seahawks took that risk and let D.J. Reed go in free agency. They did, however, re-sign Sidney Jones. So when you look at the depth chart, Jones right now, to me, is the only sure bet when it comes to being a starter. I thought Sidney Jones played really well down the stretch last season at the left cornerback position. It was the first time in his career that he was able to stay healthy for an entire season, and I think it was really the first time that he was in a system that really fit him well. You saw as he got more comfortable that he was able to make a number of plays in the football, didn't have any interceptions, but had plenty of pass breakups and had his best season as an NFL player as a tackler. He made noticeable strides in that regard. The big question is, who's going to be the other starter across from him, assuming that Jones ends up holding on to the left cornerback spot? The Seahawks are going to say this is an all-out competition, but I think Jones is the heavy favorite there. It's not as easy to figure out who the favorite's going to be at the other spot. If I had to make a projection right now, I think Kobe Bryant is primed to start early. I don't know if it's week one necessarily, but I think he is going to be in the starting lineup at some point. This kid is so refined, plays with such a high football IQ. The coaching staff is raving about him. He's been making plays. Even when he's not supposed to be playing the football in these OTAs, He still has been doing so. Instincts end up clicking in sometimes and guys make plays in the football. You can just see those instincts from Kobe Bryant. as such a decorated college player, the Jim Thorpe Award winner. He started four years at Cincinnati. I just think he's going to have a very good chance. Artie Burns has been impressive during their offseason program. He knows Sean Desai from their time together in Chicago. So maybe he's your front runner going into camp. But I could see Kobe Bryant coming in and stealing that other starting spot across from Sidney Jones. He's going to obviously need a strong training camp, but he has built good momentum to this point in their offseason program. And the way the coaches are talking, this looks like a kid that could play early. Now, looking at potential sleepers in this group, I think you've got to throw Tariq Woolen's name in the hat as the true sleeper because everyone is assuming that with his lack of experience, coming from a smaller FBS school, former receiver, still very raw technically, has to learn more about the game. He's not going to be ready to play anytime soon. And that probably is the case. But he has exceeded expectations to this point. And with his physical traits, again, off the charts, there's never been a corner enter the league that's got the size, length, and athleticism that this kid does. If he takes to the technique and the coaching quickly, 
to go with his work ethic and his traits, it may be difficult for the Seahawks to keep him off of the field. And how crazy would it be if both of these rookies ended up playing some significant snaps on defense? I don't know that that's what the Seahawks want with Sidney Jones and Artie Burns being there. But certainly, it would be a very bright future for this secondary if both these guys ended up playing some snaps. So Woolen is my sleeper to watch because it looks like he might be a little further along. We haven't seen real football yet, so you can't jump to many conclusions. But it looks like he might be a little further along at this point than what everybody, you know, everybody was anticipating with him coming out as a fifth-round pick that's raw, that needs technique coaching that he just might be closer to being ready to getting thrown into the fire than maybe people are anticipating. Now, as far as wild cards, a name that I've not thrown out there yet, Trey Brown played really well in five games last season, had three starts, and then unfortunately tore the patellar tendon in his knee, underwent season-ending surgery. He has yet to be able to participate in any of their off-season program, and it remains up in the air whether he's going to be ready for the start of training camp. So his health is what is holding him back. This is a significant injury for any player to come back from. And there have been plenty of players that have had their careers wrecked by this injury. Now, Will Disley was able to make it back healthy, and he's played in every game for the most part the last two years. But there have also been players that just weren't the same when they came back. Even with modern medicine, that happens time to time. So we don't know what to expect from Trey Brown, but if he can return and get healthy and play at the level that he did in those five games last year, then that is another name that needs to be thrown in the hat that could start across from Sidney Jones. He played really well in those games last year. He plays bigger than his size and his length. He's a physical, aggressive football player with a nose for the football he likes to make plays on the football. He's got some special teams ability as well. So Trey Brown has starter caliber talent. There's just a lot of question marks about where he's going to be at from a health perspective. And looking at the bubble player, I think that this is a little tougher than some positions because to me it's pretty cut and dry. This Sidney Jones, Artie Burns, the two rookies, and if Trey Brown's healthy, right there is your five outside corners. I don't see them cutting any of those players. Now, Brown, if he doesn't get healthy, he might start the season on the pup list. That is a strong possibility given the severity of the injury that he's coming back from and how long that rehab can take. He might be out the first chunk of the season before he's able to come back healthy. We don't know. But Michael Jackson is the name I'm going to throw on here as a bubble player because Jackson got his opportunity late last year, promoted from the practice squad for a couple games. The Seahawks had some injuries late in the season. And Jackson got his opportunity, and I thought he played really darn well in a couple of games. He had a couple pass breakups in their game against the Chicago Bears, and I thought that he did a really nice job being put into an adverse situation. He's got decent athleticism. He's got some length and some size to him. He's got some difficult odds to make this football team just because of the two rookies coming in and the three veterans that are in front of him. But if Trey Brown is not healthy, then I think there is certainly a chance that Michael Jackson could make a push for a roster spot, especially if he's able to stand out on special teams, maybe as a gunner or in some other capacity. Then Michael Jackson is a player that I think has an outside chance of maybe battling his way onto the roster, at least for the start of the season, until Trey Brown is healthy. I think this is going to be a fun position group to watch because there are some question marks. I think there are some questions about Who's your long-term starter? They're very high on Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen coming in. Maybe those will be their starters long-term. Sidney Jones is still a very young player. He's kind of on another one-year prove-it deal to really see if he can be 
one of those long-term starters as well. They really like him in their defense. And Artie Burns had a great second, a great second half last year in Chicago. So he's got an opportunity to build off that as a former first-round pick and stand out in Seattle's secondary in a scheme that seems to fit him quite well with a coach that seems to know how to get the best out of him. So you got a lot of intriguing names. I think there's a lot more optimism and rightfully so with this cornerback group, but they still got to go out and prove it. You got to see whether the veterans are the ones that take the jobs or whether the rookies come in and start to make some waves early. And that's just going to add further intrigue to this group. So I'm really excited to see how this group shakes out in training camp, what the rookies look like. Do we get a healthy Trey Brown back to be able to evaluate, see where he's at? How does Artie Burns fit in with this defense? Does Michael Jackson sneak into the picture here? Is there an unknown, maybe one of these undrafted players like a Josh Turner that makes some waves? It's going to be a fun position to watch. Very competitive. And I think you can see three or four players battling for one or two starting spots once we get to late July, early August. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can also follow Rob at Rob Rang. I'll promise that he'll be back in the next day or two. Hopefully he gets over this bug quickly. You can check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on our Wednesday show, I may or may not be riding solo. Again, right now we're going day-to-day with Rob, but hopefully he will be back in the saddle with us for tomorrow's episode. Going to continue with some observations from the final week of OTAs, some thoughts from Andy Dickerson's press conference, as well as Sanjay Law, and going to be continuing our position-by-position review, going back to the offensive side of the football with the guards. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Go Hawks.